time, ladies and gentlemen? What, what, what time is it? I had a friend of mine, good friend of mine since high school, still a very good friend of mine till today, say to me that he can judge someone by what they spend their money on. He said people's agendas are attached to their wallets. And when he said it, you know, I looked at him. We were sitting in my car and I looked at him. You know, I was in the driver's seat. I turned to my right. And I, was, I nodded my head like, wow, very true. But as I've gotten old, I realized that time, I can tell what a person is or is not based on what they spend their time on. Because it's the one thing that we do not have in abundance. We can have a lot of money. We can be, dis we can be very, we can treat money and currency and things in a very dis disposable manner, very flippant and dismissive manner. But our time is one of the most, is the most finite thing that we have. And time is filled with compromises and trade-offs because you can't do everything all at once. So when somebody says, I don't have time for that, well, I, I, I got I to gotta make time for that. All of that, you got you to gotta have a date night. You got to have this. I got to dedicate this amount of hours per each class that I take. I have to dedicate two to three hours worth of study time for each class. Yeah, for each credit. Time. Time. So, so many things were at the top of our time priority list and have now gone to the bottom and certain things that were at the bottom or at the top and certain things we didn't even think about now are on the list. That's the trade-off and compromises and sacrifices that are made to make time for this and not make time for that. And there are consequences and results and outcomes based on what we decide to or not to spend our time on. And that will be the topic and the theme of today, time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bobrun. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation. If you are a returning listener, thank you again. Welcome back, and thank you for giving me your divided attention. <clears throat> a little house cleaning before we get started. Thank you for the cash apps. The donations have not been coming in as often as because I haven't been doing as many shows. I have to do more shows to get more donations. I realize that the audience is growing people. And I have to thank you guys for sharing it with friends. I have to thank you guys for subscribing on Apple podcasts, especially and leaving ratings and comments. It's been helping. So if you haven't done so, and you're listening to me on an Apple device, please feel free to leave a rating, subscribe, follow, whatever, give me a bunch of stars or no stars whatever however you feel please do thank you our cash app is dollar sign j-u-n-b-e-a-u that's j-u-n-b-e-a-u with the dollar sign in the beginning that's our cash app our venmo is j-u-n-b-e-a-u that's junebo okay so venmo's junebo cash app is dollar sign junebo our zell is my first name and my last name at gmail.com, which is juniabobrun at gmail.com. That is spelled J-U-N-Y-A-B-E-A-U-B-R-U-N at gmail.com. Thank you for the Zells. I've been getting more cash apps and Venmos than Zells, but there have been some Zell, uh, um, what do you call it, um, contributions. And those contributions go straight to the show. Like I've said before, I want the show to pay for itself. I want the time that I'm spending on this show 
to be the commodity. Like, how much time am I spending? Because I want to do a video aspect of this show next year. So with that, that means more equipment, more time, more expertise, because I'm a one-man show. I don't have a crew. I don't have the money to hire someone to do that for me. So I'm going to set up things and this, that, and the third. But I just want to make sure this is viable because this is a passion project that I want to turn, and I've said before, to a viable stream of income because this is going to be the beginning of a media platform that I'm expanding upon, okay? But if I notice that this is taking more time and it's not bringing in certain revenue, I may eliminate this and go on to something else in other media ventures. But I would like this to be one of the staples going forward. Let's put it this way. I don't ever want to stop doing this show. Let's put it that way. But I will if I have to. I mean, if it makes sense to, if all of a sudden my time is, in go is going in other directions. In any case, also thank you guys for going on Amazon and purchasing the books available from Chavez House. Chavez with an S. That's C-H-A-V-E-S, House Publishing. That's our main sponsor. They've reached out to me. They've told me directly that they've seen an uptick in sales and they, they're saying they're attributing it to this listening audience and attributing to me constantly um, describing it or mentioning it in, in the beginning of the, uh, of the uh, podcast or the beginning of the uh, show. So thank you guys for buying it. Like I've said before, they have everything from password login books to decorative notebooks whether you're in grad school or grade school or you're a teacher it makes a great gift for a student regardless of age regardless of grade it make it makes a uh, great gifts Chris Kringle gifts Christmas is coming the, the the season of gift giving is upon us so hey get up on it and get a few if you so choose we have decorative notebooks with flags from different countries on the front we have the Eiffel Tower Paris one we have uh Bahamian one we have island uh, paradise covers. We have the uh, uh, the journals, the daily workout books for men and women, uh, nutrition, diet log books. I mean, everything. Just go on there and see. The prompts are awesome. Go and go to Chavez House Publishing and make sure that the book that you're buying from Chavez House Publishing, when you look it up on Amazon, is either by Lenore Batista as the author or by Chavez House Publishing. Oftentimes, people will try to place ads other competitors will place ads in uh if they see a particular whatever book item is selling they're like hey listen let me let me let me stick my little stuff in there as well you know on on their shelf proverbial shelf so if it's by lenore batista or it's by chavez house publishing that's what you get all right thank you guys very much so we're going to talk about time today I don't know what I'm going to title this particular episode. Remember, uh, in seasons past, I would name an episode while we were talking, and that would be the theme, right? And or uh, and, and that's I'm going back to that because I've noticed in several episodes that I start talking about something, and then the theme will come up, or, or the actual title will come up through the conversation. But the reason why I wanted to bring up time is because I was reading an article uh, in one of the online magazines and, uh, tennis pro athlete, Serena Williams, um, is retired now. I think she's officially retired from tennis. I consider Serena Williams to be a handful of the most dominant athletes in the last 20 years. 
I mean, she's on the list with Floyd Mayweather. She's on the list with uh, uh, LeBron James. She's on that list as far as I'm concerned. Um, I've watched her throughout her life. I've been a fan from day one. I've had the pleasure of meeting her and her sister on a couple of occasions out in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, when I lived out there and I was working and going to school out there as well. And um, it was in passing, in public settings, and they were extremely cordial and affable and just seemed like sweet human beings. And I've just been a fan. I've been a fan on how both Venus and Serena have carried themselves throughout all that they've had to endure to get to the point where they are now. And I consider them to be masterful, just ex exceptional human beings. That's just me. That's So I'm going to preempt whatever I say after. <laughs> just remember I said that in the beginning. So the reason why I'm bringing up Serena is because it's, a, it's, it's, it's about time, pardon the pun. It was an article that had to deal with her retiring, and these are in her own words. And then there was another article that uh, was, uh, what do you call it, uh, reacting to not only her article, but her actual retirement. So I sort of juxtaposed the two, but I'll let you know when it's Serena's words, and I'll let you know when it's somebody else's words. So this article was online. It's a couple of months old because now we're in September 2022. <clears throat> and this is something that she said. This is an excerpt taken in context. It says, believe me, I never wanted to have to choose between tennis and a family. I don't think it's fair. If I were a guy, I wouldn't be writing this because I'd be out there playing and winning while my wife was doing the physical labor of expanding our family. Maybe I'd be more of a Tom Brady if I had the opportunity. That's a mouthful. Now, one of the reasons why she says she's retiring is because she's 41 years old and she has a five-year-old daughter who wants to be a big sister. Her five-year-old daughter wants to what? Expand the family. And I don't know if it's she didn't mention her husband in this because she's married and she's married to the father of this daughter she didn't mention him she mentioned the the desires of the child i'm not going to say that's telling i'm just saying that's what it is so the daughter wants to be a big sister i remember entering into my mom's bedroom at five years old while she was watching tv i knocked on the door i said mom i need to talk to you and she said what is it june i said mom i want to be a big brother okay so get so get me a brother and i walked out a year later, I had a brother. Awesome, right? So I don't know if it's the five-year-old itch that a kid at five years old starts to want to be a sibling if they're an only child. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems like it's very, there's a parallel between you know, um, that child and me as a kid. <clears throat> and anyway, when Serena Williams says she doesn't think it's fair, if she were a guy, she wouldn't be writing this. Because she'd be out there playing and winning while the wife would be doing the physical labor of expanding the family. And if she were Tom Brady, she'd have that opportunity. <clears throat> Tom Brady is a, is a Super Bowl winning quarterback who plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he happens to be 45 years old. He's the oldest starting quarterback, I think, in NFL history. And he's the oldest starting quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after spending more than, about, I think, about 20 years of his career as a New England Patriot, where he won six Super Bowls. Now, when she mentioned Tom Brady, <clears throat> it's because of how old he is. 
and he's an older guy. Usually men don't even get to play a sport into their late 30s, let alone into their mid 40s. He's entering into a territory right now that's probably the evolution of the man, of the American male, to be able to play a sport at that high level. Context for that long, it's insane. I think of Floyd Mayweather and what he's able to do in boxing still at his advanced age. I think of LeBron James being, you know, 20 year career, 20 years so far and playing at an MVP type level, not just sitting on somebody's bench. So let's talk about Tom Brady, though, because that's who she mentioned. Now, Tom Brady, who retired earlier this season and then went out of unretirement within weeks of, um, of, of saying that he was going to retire. He said something. He said, this has been the biggest sacrifice of my life. He's not responding to Serena. He's just speaking himself. And this is something that we rarely hear from men. And just because we don't hear it, we oftentimes think that men are just out there living their best lives away from their wife and kids, away from their families. He said, I spent 23 years trying to squeeze out every ounce of the ability, every ounce of my ability at this sport. You know what that means? That means, means I missed 23 Christmases. I missed 23 weddings, at least. 23 funerals, at least. 23 family reunions, at least all to try to maximize <clears throat> my ability in this sport because that's what it took for him to remain a starting quarterback in the NFL and not just a player that a team or ownership or a coach can just dispose of. That's what he had to do to not only survive but excel in his particular field. That's important. And why is that important? Because it, 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 I don't, it counters the Serena narrative because there's something inside that narrative that she would just be out there <clears throat> playing if she were Tom Brady while the woman was expanding the family. I don't think people understand how difficult and challenging it is for a man to go out there and earn a living whether he be a multi-million dollar sports athlete, a business executive or whatever, when the goalpost is constantly being pushed for excellence. Just to keep your gig, you have to be excellent. Not to have your gig, not to have your job or your position secured. Just to keep it for another day longer, another game, another week, another quarter. And you're missing the first walk of your child the first talk of your child, your ch all of these things that are going on and you being the protector and provision provider has only taken precedence because you can't do both. And this is what you got to understand. Father time and mother time are undefeated. So that man who's able to go out there for 20 plus years and, and, and be the best that he possi possibly can be in a sport. That means he's not going to be a hands-on father. But the woman in his life has signed on to be a hands-on mother. <clears throat> and as the person who gives birth, as the person who matures sooner than men, 
women mature, girls mature faster than boys. I was watching a show. The show was called True Detective. Uh, the first season of True Detective was with Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey. And Woody Harrelson is a detective, and um, he has two daughters. And the daughter, one of the daughters is drawing something that's very explicit and intimate. It's kind of graphic uh, intimacies between men and women, etc., etc. And, you know, the wife shows Woody Harrelson's character, the drawing. And he goes, how do, how do girls, where did she get this stuff from? How does she know all this stuff? And the mother says, because she has to. That was an important sentence. As the woman, you have to know these things because biology, mother and father time and biology have said, you're the first teacher of the child, of the baby, of the new life that you've decided to bring upon this planet. You're the first teacher. You're the first nurse. You're the first love, the first counselor, the first cook. That child eats off of your breast first. Listen, there are certain things that are going to be required of you. And what's going to be required of you is time. Here's the irony of Serena Williams' statement about, you know, he's out there winning Super Bowls while the other one's, the wife is home expanding the family. Parenting and athletics and business all go hand in hand with one ethos. Your best ability is availability. In sports, the more available you are, you can play hurt, you can play injured, you can play on the road, you can play at home, you can do this, that. That's your ability. Your best ability is your availability. And as well as in parenting, your best ability is your availability. In the business world, th to become a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you have had to have worked 70 to 80 hour work weeks, sometimes not including travel. And you've had to have done that for at least a decade or two, oftentimes two. That's why you become a CEO of these Fortune 500 companies in your late 40s, 50s. Why? Because you've been burning the candle at both ends since you graduated college. Since your 20s. So it takes at least two decades of 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. That means your best ability has been your availability. When you decide to be a parent, when you've decided to bring another life on this planet, you made that decision. So it's up to you that that child does not turn into a Dylan Roof or a Kyle Rittenhouse or a girl that decides to start an OnlyFans page at 13, 14 years old. Why? Because you were hands-on and you were available. You were available because today, more than any other time in the history of humankind, children have more vices and devices to deviate away from parental instruction more than any other time before. So that means you have to be more hands-on in 2022 than you probably had to be in 1922. So the idea of fairness doesn't factor in. It's biology. 
you have a problem with biology, talk to mother and talk to father nature. Because let me ask you a question, everybody out there. Let me ask the Serenas of the world who agree and all of that. <clears throat> you can't have it all. And you can't have it all. You can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. Once you've decided to be a mom, how much time you put in is going to directly reflect and project on how that child turns out. Oftentimes, it's the time you put in is what you get out. So that child is going to be a direct reflection of how hands on you were or were not like we spoke about earlier. What kind of mom are you going to be? It's going to be one of the most important decisions a woman makes. If you decide to be a mother, what kind of mom are you going to be? Are you going to be the single mama running around, blah, blah, blah? I'm a single mom. I'm a boss chick. I got the gig. I got the single life and I, I, I'm a single mama. No, no, I'm working. I'm working two jobs. You want, who's with the kid? <clears throat> who's with the kid? We did this episode about America's failing its boys and I have several episodes where I speak about these kids are more unhappy now than they've ever been with all the devices and all the vices and all the technology and all the amenities and all the things to entertain them. Their parent, one parent is working 40 hours a week, five days a week, not including commute. The other one's working 45 plus hours a week, um, um, not including commute. Who's home with this kid? In their most formative years, between zero and ten. Who's making sure that this kid has all the right foundational tools and rules to be able to make certain decisions through their pre-pubescent and through their pubescent years and their adulthood? Because adulthood is funny, man. Adulthood is funny. By the time you become an adult, you've already... You adulthood happens to you before you even know it. You're already a couple of decisions in by the time you turn into an adult. So because of that... The foundation has to be laid well before adulthood. That's why you see these 17, 18, 19 year olds making such bad decisions once they get a license. They get a driver's license, now they don't know how to act. They get a license to carry something, they don't know how to act. They get an opportunity to drink, they don't know how to act because there's no foundation. That can't be laid, you can't teach a kid how to drink at 21. You don't teach a kid to drive at 18. You teach them to drive way sooner than that, right? You get your learner's permit at 16. Some kids I know have been driving well long before that. I knew guys and gals that have been driving since they were 12, 13 years old. Because the father said there may be an opportunity. A dad would say, I may be sick. Something may, be, may happen and you may need to know how to use this car. So as long as you're tall enough and your legs are long enough to touch that pedal and that brake and you can see over the hood and see over the steering wheel, once you get to that point, I'm going to teach you how to drive. <clears throat> And that was the rubric. And then, and then when you get your license, you'll be a pro. So by the time you get to know how to drive or be legally allowed to drive, you will already have known for years. So by the time a child becomes a, a pubescent teenager, they should know a lot about life. <clears throat> by the time a girl is menstruating and a guy goes through puberty, they should know a lot about life. And that's only going to happen one way. If the Parents are available. Availability. So listen to this. <clears throat> Tom Brady's missing 23 Christmases, 23 reunions, 23 weddings, 23 this. Sacrificing <clears throat> to be able to excel and to be able to keep his starting job. To keep his gig. Let's not get it mixed up. To keep his job. To keep his job. His coach, his boss tried to... Tried to 
draft new quarterbacks and go into different directions on several occasions. And Tom Brady had to go to the front office, to the ownership, Robert Kraft, and say, listen, that new quarterback guy that you got, that I noticed that he's supposed to be the new guy, get him out of here. I'm the guy. Get him out of here. And the only leverage he had was the time that he put into his pro profession and how productive he's been. <clears throat> so the boss, the owner, acquiesced. Okay? So listen to this now. Professor Randolph, who is a history professor at Georgia Tech, <clears throat> excuse me, and a founder of, an Af of a black feminist think tank who's working on a book, says this. Something's got to give. And, and to the idea that, no, you really can't have it all, at least not all at the same time. Society makes women think that they can have everything at once, be the best hands-on mom and at the top of their field at the same time. I 100% disagree with Professor Randolph's statement. It is not society that makes women think that they can have everything all at once and be the best hands-on mom and at the top of their profession. It's a modern feminist movement in the 1960s that have told women that you can have it all and be at the top of your field and be a hands-on mom. Society already knew that through biology. Biology already knows that. Evolutionary biology already knows that. The, the amount of instruction and direction that it takes to raise a child within the first 10 years of their lives already dictate that you cannot be at the top of a field that's going to ask you to be with excel at what they do or what they want you to do for 40 50 60 hours a week and then still be a hands-on mom society didn't say that the overcorrection of male patriarchy which is what modern feminist movement in this country is because equality doesn't mean that we're sharing things equally it's not what equality means it means i'm treating you with the same amount of respect <clears throat> and the same amount of judiciousness as everyone else that's equality but doesn't necessarily mean equal pay doesn't mean equal appreciation doesn't mean any of that but let me let me continue society didn't say makes women think no the modern feminist movement sold women a bag of goods and an overcorrection due to the dominant male patriarchy that was inherently unfair the dominant male patriarchy was unfair it was. However, this is not what fairness looks like when I look at the happiness index of kids in America when they're completely unhappy. And one of the reasons why I'm telling you right now is the unavailability of both parents. Yes, I said it. Shuffling a child off to daycare as soon as it pops out of the belly is not good parenting. That's not hands on parenting. You cannot be CEO, C-suite, 80-hour-a-week executive for two, three decades and be a good mama at the same time or a good papa. The papa can provide and protect, but that's it. If women are now okay with being CEOs and want to be the corner office because it's the corner officer bust, okay, then you have to be okay now with the man. If you want to be woman king, cool. The man now has to stay home. Somebody's got to be with this kid. Both of you, you can't be working 80 hours a week trying to be a master of the universe and your man has a job. He's trying to compete and stay and he's working 40, 50 hours and that's 130 hours outside of the household per week. Who's going to be with the kid? Who's going to make sure this kid doesn't turn into Dylan Roof or George Zimmerman?
or Michael Dredchka or some OnlyFans go- chick, you know, some 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 quote unquote vixen influencer with her with her uh, a, a, a filtered with her filtered facial features. Hmm. Who's going to be there? So this idea that it's society that created this. No, modern feminism said, yo, we're going to shame the women who are putting families first. We're going to shame them. Well, you just want to be a mother. What? Are you kidding me? No, that means you're going to count on a man for this, that and the third, blah, 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 blah. Oh, really? We're not talking about what a child needs. I'm hearing a lot of people putting themselves first over a child. And once you get a child, you have to put them first. And your world now revolves around creating a human being that's productive and a contributor and not a bane on society. Let's continue on. Okay, so I'm reading this article and um, this woman who's an ad executive in New York City, she says, even as a woman who sits at a desk whose body is not taxed by the work at hand, I have felt that searing pulling apart of myself towards my career and towards my family. Now looking back, I wish that every time I chose my family over my job, it didn't label me as unambitious. Did you hear that? Looking back, I wish that every time I chose my family over my job, it didn't label me as unambitious. Now, who's labeling her as unambitious? There are two competing factors at play. The job and the modern feminist movement who says that, yeah, you know, you can't pick your family over your job. No, we need you here to do A, B, and C. And you want to get to X, Y, and Z, but we got things for you to do here. Okay? But this this movement that says that you can pull in 40, 50, 60 hours a week and then be at home. No. Your, your, your child's at school eight hours. You're at school eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hours. You're getting home, saying hello, rushing, crazy day at work. And you're thinking you're going to have a bonding session? And then the weekend comes and then you take care of a couple of errands and then it's back to the 60 hour grind after that. A New York City advertising executive does not work an eight to five shift, which I already think is excessive if you're a parent. They don't work those shifts. They work 6, 7 a.m. to 8, 9 p.m. I worked in marketing in New York City. I've seen the hours that the executives pull in. Executive is another word for 60 hour work weeks. It's a short word. They just call it executive. But you know what it means? It means I got to work harder than everybody else just to keep this gig. Forget about the bonus. Forget about the promotion. Just to keep this job and to be considered the indispensable human being, I have to be what? Available. I have to give them what? Time. More of my time. Because there's someone else at that job that's as ambitious as me that says, I don't have any kids. There's a guy there who chose a woman who's, who works part-time as an early childhood educator to be his woman. So someone's at home raising his babies while he gets to be here 70 hours a week. And every time I have to, t- have to take off for a soccer game or my kid is sick, he doesn't have to because he's got his other half doing that. So if women are going to be okay now with men being the stay-at-home dads while the woman goes out there and be, becomes a master of the universe, that's another conversation. 
But as we're dealing with this conversation as society, as we are all presently constructed, her being labeled as unambitious is coming a lot from that modern feminist movement. It's coming a lot from other women, not from the white male patriarchy. It's coming from other women. Other women are going, wow, looking down on a lot of women that want to go be with their families. That say, I just want to spend time with my husband. I miss him. I chose him to be with me for the rest of my life. And I don't want to waste our most youthful years. Oh. Here you have women 20s and 30s when they're in their quote unquote sexual primes and their men are there as well. And you're spending all of that time at the gig. <clears throat> and then you decided to bring a child into this world and you're asking for universal daycares, universal this, universal that, universal that. But you are the queen of the universe. You are the mother earth of the seas, the sun, moon and the stars. You don't need universal daycare. You, you're, the, you're the queen of the universe. You have to be there with the child. Not some $10 an hour day worker. I'm going to continue on because all the because I'm reason why I'm saying this is because right now, many of the female students that I graduated with from college um, are now approaching 30 <clears throat> or just turned 30. So they've been working diligently over the last six, seven years. I graduated 2030. Yeah. So last eight, nine years or what, six, seven years diligently at these jobs. J-O-B's. They've gotten titles. They have updates on their LinkedIn. Congratulations on my one year anniversary or my three years. I have now been promoted to the blah, 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 blah. But you know, with all of that, you know what I'm getting? You know, the phone calls I'm getting is June. How am I supposed to find a boyfriend? How am I supposed to find a husband when I'm here 50, 60 hours a week and I'm commuting on the on the on the train or the bus or wherever city they live in? How am I supposed to get in a relationship? How am I supposed to find Mr. Right? And how's he supposed to find me? I'm working with a bunch of old guys who got wives already that are already taking care of them. Everybody's got pictures on their desks of their families. And I'm here. And I said, oh. And all the stuff I was talking about through college when I was bringing this stuff up on campus and they were saying, June sounding like a boomer. June, you ain't old. Why do you sound like that? I'm like, yo, these babies are being raised without their mamas. And when you send kids out into the wild without instruction, they're going to act wildly. I said this back in the 2010s. Earlier than that, people were smiling and laughing at me People dismissed me. Fast forward, freeze frame to the last 18 months. The conversation is about the great resignation and people wanting to be with their families. The kids are unhappy. Happiness indexes all over psychology today. And American Medical Association are saying American kids are some of the most depressed kids on earth. What? You know how much poverty and suffrage and desperation and futility is on the planet Earth. And American kids are some of the most depressed in the first world, in the richest country on Earth. Whoa, could it be that out of all the first world nations, America asks its employees to work more hours and gets less vacation? Is there a correlation between a child's depression and how much time mom and dad have for them? Continuing on.
So I'm reading this. There's a track star, former track star. She usually does uh, commentating for uh, track and field events. I love track and field. Love, love, love track and field. It's one of my favorite sports. It's, it's, it's on top of the list. And um, her name is Sonia Richards-Ross. And she said something. And she was reacting to this article. And she said this. She said, I always knew I didn't want to start a family while I was still competing. I feel being an athlete is the most selfish role you could have because it's always about you. It's always about you resting. It's always about you recovering. It's always about you training. Everything is so hyper-focused on you as an athlete. And being a parent is the opposite of that. Need I say more? You don't have to listen to me, June with the penis. I know I'm the I'm the man I'm the male of the species, and a lot of women who are li- who listen to me because a lot of women do listen to me are going to be like June. You don't understand the pressures and this that, and the third. To a degree, I do. I understand how our society and our political movements and our ideologies are constructed. Corporate America has made a mint off women being in the workplace. They have more. They have a worker that's there, that's productive, that now has their own spending power because women spend more on smaller items than men. Men buy more big ticket items. We're the ones who will buy a jet and a boat and a Ferrari, but women will buy everything else. A man will buy the house, but what's in that house, the women control that. A man will be like, here's the house, honey, and she'll go, okay, great. You spent 300 on this house. I'm going to need 200 to decorate it. He's like, what? Yeah. So because of that, corporate America has made a mint off the level of productivity by having both parents in the workforce working 40, 50 hours a week. That's why Wall Street and CEO bonuses have skyrocketed. You don't realize that just having two parents working and producing, being underpaid, by the way, creates more product and more service and more revenue for people at the top. But you know who loses? The kid, the kid, Main Street loses because you're creating these little kids who are confused, who are depressed, who are killing themselves at an alarming rate. Wall Street's winning because having the, now that the woman's not at home, she's in the workplace too. So we have him and her working for us daily. They're working a job and a half, two gigs. Ooh, we. Wall Street wins. Main Street loses. Moving on. So she says, being a parent is the opposite of being selfish and being hyper-focused on you. It's the opposite. That means that all of that hyper-focus on yourself now, you have to change it. And being a parent is the opposite. Now your hyper-focus has to be on what? Dot, dot, dot. Your child, as an athlete, you're hyper-focused on you. Rest, recovery, training. And not including the fact that if you're a brand ambassador, that's just if you're a track person. What happens when you're a LeBron? What happens when you're a Serena and a Venus? And you also have fashion lines and venture capital, and you're also an ambassador for different brands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have rest, recovery, training, diet, as well as being a businesswoman. A celebrity having to manage your fame is another thing. Oh, and Sonya Richards Ross is saying as a woman, she ne- she never thought about competing and, 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 and being a family woman at the same time. It's, it's damn near impossible because she's using totally different sides of your her brain. You can't have it all at once. 
You can have it all. And I've always used to say that. You can have it all. You just can't have it all at once. You can't be the balls to the walls, party, playboy, running around the world, country, everything like that, and then still think that you're a married man or be in a committed relationship. Can't be both. You can have a moment where you're doing all of that. You're here, you're there, you're everywhere. And then there's a moment where it's like, I want someone to do this with. That's going to look different and feel different once you decide someone. There are trade-offs, there are compromises, there are decisions that you make as adults, as you evolve, as you evolve. And sometimes biology is the ultimate mandate and dictate as to what it is. That's why I said women mature quicker than men because they have to be mothers. They have to bear the brunt and the burden of childbirth and bear the, bear the responsibility of being the first love, first teacher, first nurse of this new life that they're bringing on the planet to propagate the race of human beings. The species, that's your responsibility to make sure that your kid becomes a college professor, not a killer, a nurse, a social worker, and not someone who's going to be a detriment and a burden on society. Going on, Sonia Richards Ross goes on to say, though, I don't want to say it's unfair, but it's a harsh reality and harsh truth that as an elite female athlete, we definitely have to consider a lot of things our male counterparts don't. That's as a human being in general. There's certain things that a man has to consider when he takes the most dangerous jobs on earth, which he does. His life expectancy is lower because he's exposed to a lot more chemicals and a lot more dangers. So one of the reasons, so even after you've left the job or you retired a job, like let's take Tom Brady, for instance. I was just watching uh, uh, football and uh, Miami Dolphins starting quarterback, Tua, is out with the concussion. Now, football, statistically speaking, a football hit is tantamount to a car crash. It is said that a football player can suffer about 62 different events during a football game that are tantamount be as tantamount to being hit by a car a football player is four times more likely to have alzheimer's and cognitive disabilities earlier on than the rest of the population they're four times more likely to to, to be diagnosed with a dementia or alzheimer's and to have it sooner than most so while most people may get their dementia in their 80s or their 90s, these men are getting it in their, what, 60s? Hmm? There's no other sport that has more suicides of men in their 40s and 50s than football. So this same sport where everybody just sees the pretty side, the Super Bowl, Hey, look, Tom Brady gets to hold his kids and, and hug his supermodel wife, you know. Oh, but guess what? Um, as, as, as well as he's feeling now, there's a very good chance that he's going to not be around to actually remember his grandkids. Four times more likely than you or I not to remember his wife's name as he gets older. That's the sacrifice. So when people speak about fairness is when I start to get, mm, I push back on that word because we're all making certain trade-offs and sacrifices. One of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, his name was Steve Young, he used to play for the San Francisco 49ers. If anybody out there who watches football, a lot of people out there are big fans of Patrick Mahomes. I am one of them. 
Patrick Mahomes, who's the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of the things you're seeing from Patrick Mahomes today, I saw Steve Young do that 20 plus years ago. Not to say that I am not utterly and uberly impressed with Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying that Steve Young doesn't get enough props when we speak about the greatest quarterbacks in the annals of NFL football history. His name oftentimes is omitted, and I'm saying it needs to be inserted into the conversation. I saw Steve Young do some things at the latter half of his career that was video game-like mastery of the game. He made it look entirely, he was playing John Madden football on easy. It's like he was playing the video game version of the sport on easy. It was amazing. He said something after he retired, and he retired early because of concussions. He received a, a, a great many concussions. It seemed like almost every hit he took, he was dizzy and dumbfounded off of the hit. And so he had to leave the sport. He had to retire. He said something that was very profound, I thought, personally, as a commentator. He said that by the time a professional athlete masters their sport, they're too old to play it. How's that for fair? And the last couple of years I saw him play at a high level, I couldn't believe it. I didn't, I can't remember seeing a quarterback better than how he was. The things he was able to do and the reads he was able to make in the most adverse conditions as a quarterback was amazing to me. I couldn't believe it. Me and my brother, we used to sit there and go, what are we watching? But by the time you master your sport, you're old, you're too old to play it. Your body cannot keep up with where your mind is. You're a step too slow. And the younger guys, they've already figured you out. And they're faster than you. And you're a little bit, and you're not that you're slow. You're just slower than them. And that's the brutality and the, I'm sorry, the reality of father and mother time. It's undefeated. It waits for no man or woman. And that's just what it is. It may be difficult to come to terms with, but let's not turn it into a gender situation. Biology treats us all in a certain way. The muscles that you're able to gain in your 20s, how you were able to recover from a hangover three days in a row and get up and go to the gym and all of a sudden look like a million dollars. Very difficult to do that same thing 10 years later. Try getting the same muscles you were able to gain in your 20s when you start getting into your 50s or your 60s. Try. Think about how much effort and how much supplementation and the effort and the time it would take. When you're able to go to the gym for 35 minutes, all of a sudden, hey, man, I got abs now. Whoa. Now, all of a sudden, you drink one milkshake and you're like, oh, my God, look at me. Ugh, where did this gut come from? Father and mother time. Biology is our ultimate truth. It's not harsh. Come to terms with it. Live with it. Learn to love it. Even as, as a master athlete, if you're Tom Brady and you're losing 23 seasons, of, of 23 years of funerals and weddings and reunions, Michael Jordan, who was away from his family while he was becoming the master of professional sports, LeBron James, who spends over a million dollars on his body and tries his best to be there in balance, being this super mega most recognizable face in the, on the planet and being a dad of three and a husband and a son to his mama and a philanthropist and a businessman and a venture capitalist. What? What are we talking about here? None of this is easy. So the first teacher, first sh chef, first cook, first nurse, first counselor is the mama. So you're, you're there for a reason. I'm going to continue on. 
Biology puts you there for a reason. It's not unfair, and it's not a harsh reality. Anyway, distance runner Kara Grouger, who also fought, fought battles about pregnancy pace, said people are starting to acknowledge the issue and careers are lasting longer. But she adds, you see the dad at the Super Bowl holding his kids. And the reason he's able to do that is because someone else is there taking care of their children. Someone else. No, no, no. The mother of those babies. And the wife of that man who's a protector and a provider in the in the in the highest form of the word of phrase in the most realist and the most accurate way of being able to protect and provide provisions for his family and his descendants offspring. It's not a someone. It's not a nanny. It's not a guardian. It's not a caretaker. It's the mother, the first cook, first the person who's been biologically put into that role is the one that's taking care of the babies while he's out there hunting for food. When a man in a village, a man in Africa, Southeast Asia, or even before, you know, the Anglo decided to be call us America or, or, or in the Amazon, when a man decided to go hunt for supper, there was a good chance and he knew it and his family knew it that he could end up becoming supper for another creature. There were no guarantees that he would be coming home but it was his job to protect and provide with the sharp end of that spear and come home with the bacon. That was his job. That hasn't changed. And this new corporate structure where now he's hunting for food and you have a spear. He has a spear. She has a spear. Who's with the baby? <laughs> Who's with the baby? I'm just saying, because that's that's literally what's going on right now. If you go back to my episodes, who's in your village? I'm speaking about family people. I'm going to put the man, woman and child first over all of these other iterations and illustrations of what people want to call modern families. Uh -uh. I'm going to push back on it because based on what I see and based on all the metrics and the rubrics, we're trending downward in the happiness indexes. Depression's up with the youth. Suicides are up with the youth. And I'm going to say, like the Department of Juvenile Justice said, that one of the um, strongest indicators of juvenile delinquency is single parent households. Because that parent has to go off to work and there's not someone else there to offset and all of a sudden now you're out into the business world or retail world or whatever. And the kid is left there. So one, you got a spear. He's got a spear. She's got a spear. Who's home with the baby? Who's got the kid? Ah. So this idea that someone else, like I said, if women want to start saying, hey, listen, because I just read a business report that said that that's another that's a conversation maybe for another day. But maybe it's not because I have another episode that I speak about with women in the driver's seat now in employment, where does that, where are we driving to now? Where are we headed? Because as of today in September, 2022, there are more women in the workforce than men. There are more women in the workforce than men. And there are women now that are clamoring to be CEOs of fortune 500 companies, which I said already is an 80 hour a week commitment for 20 years not including travel. 
an 80 hour a week at the job commitment for two decades. That means you graduate college at 24, 25 with your MBA in this or finance or whatever the case may be. And you have to spend the next 20 years working 80 hours a week. That's the window of you starting a family, being able to give birth to a child and be a mama. No breaks because those men that are on that track, there are no breaks. No breaks. He has a woman at home who takes care of that. So I continue on. So this idea of someone else's hope is, 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 is um, <clears throat> taking care of the kids. It's not someone else. It's the mother. And that man made a deal with that woman. And that woman made a deal to be a mother. <clears throat> which has been shamed in our society. We're shaming. We're, we're shaming men for being masculine. And we're shaming women for, for, for being their most feminine selves, which is being a mother and a, and a wife, which is being at her most feminine. A woman at her most feminine is when she's being a loving wife and mother. A man at his most masculine is when he's out there with spear in hand, hunting and competing out there in the workplace to bring home provisions for his family and protecting his family. Meanwhile, we're shaming a man for being masculine and we're shaming a, a woman for being feminine. Where are we going it's already trending. I'm not speaking like some conservative boomer or some church goer. I'm looking at the data. <clears throat> if you're going to shame the man for being a man, you're going to shame the woman for being her most feminine self. Then what are we talking about? Oh, we need to destroy these gender roles. Remember, we spoke about tradition. We spoke about it. This is what happens. This idea of fairness. You get pregnant. You can't work. Okay. You get pregnant, you can't work in certain gigs. When you were out in certain villages, <clears throat> I study a lot anthropologically of, of, of old world villages and, and rural communities and in the Amazon and in the jungle. And when a woman was pregnant with a child, it sent out, it sends, sends out certain scents out there to the other animals that one of them is pregnant. You know what that means? You're prey. So the man has to do extra to protect you. The village men and the village women do extra to protect the pregnant woman. Because she's out of commission. She cannot compete. She cannot be out there defending herself against all the perils and the things that are going on. Now, I'm saying that you want that, that corner office suite in a society that needs you to produce and produce and produce and produce. And there's always someone who's willing to work harder, willing to put in more time than you. And you're going to have to take time off to be pregnant. We need to be able to protect the pregnant mothers and to protect the women that say, I want to be a mom and protect them from the other, the, 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 the modern feminists who look at being a mother, a loving mother and a loving wife as being unambitious, as if the epitome of ambition is to be in someone else's office and work for them and give them 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. What are we doing? And then we're going to look at Tom Brady and go, oh, look at him. He's able to do whatever he wants. Yeah, he's going to die earlier than the rest of us. And even if he lives longer because he has the money, his brain isn't going to be as active as mine. These men are going through CTE studies, and I've heard men say it. I know football players. When I lived in South Florida, many football players have retired, and they, they were asked. I remember a barber, I was in a barbershop, and I'm not going to mention the, the player's name. He goes to the same barbershop I used to, and they asked, yo, man, when all that CTE, 
all the all the all the inform information about m the inflammation of the brain and what was going on with the proteins in the brain of football players. And and one of the barbers asked him, "Yo, would you do it again?" He said, "Yo, man, that's how I fed my family. It is what it is." Would you do it again? He said, "Yeah, with everything I know, yeah." He said, "The only difference between how I raise my son and me is my son's gonna play football a little later than I did." So he doesn't have to get the same hits I took when I was in maybe Pop Warner and certain things. I may let him, you know, start playing football, you know, by, um, you know, you know, junior year of high school or something like that. Because so many football players, by the time they get to the NFL, they've already been dinged. They've already had several concussions and they were playing for their college coach and playing for their scholarship lives. And he was like, yo, man, I had concussions in college. I heard this d dude say I had a bunch of concussions in college. I, mean, I couldn't tell coach that. Coach, take me out and I'll lose my scholarship. You crazy? And I'm sitting there horrified, mortified. This man said, man, I'm trying to get my mom out of that little house she had. And my dad, you know, the, my dad was working class. You know, I had a family to feed, man. I already had a kid. No, I can't do that. I, I'll do it again. So the men who, paratroopers who fly and die for their country, and men who say, yeah, man, I know, I, I know I'm facing uh, a, 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 a high likelihood of injury or death doing this. It's how I feed myself and my family. We rely on a lot of men who have that mentality to keep this grid up. And I rely on feminine women to love their man and love their children and be hands on to keep this grid up in their way as well. Because the more women doing their job in their traditional roles... And the more men doing their job in their traditional roles, the less of these mass shooters, the less of these only fans, the less of these broken girls that are on porno sites and everything else will occur. The less broken people will have that will end up having families and they will have families that are fruitful and they will multiply. Not the way things are going. So Chris Everett says. Motherhood and tennis career subject is one that I is not one that I experienced. Chris Everett, who's a famous tennis player, she was one of my favorites growing up. She said, I wanted and chose to spend every second with my children. That was my choice, but it doesn't mean it's the right choice for everyone. I'm sorry. This is what Chris Everett says that I understand. When she says the motherhood tennis career subject is not one she experienced. When she had kids, she made the decision to be a hands-on mom every single second of the day. And that's why I don't want to call someone wrong or right, but I have to say, Serena, if you want the optimal resort results of being a mother, which means that you're raising and all you're doing, the only grade you get for how good of a job or bad of a job you did as a parent is how that kid turns out. Because much of what that child turns into is a reflection of their instruction, is a reflection of how they were protected and instructed. That's it. So the same kind of time that you spent in recovery, in training, in dieting, is the, is the more time you have to spend being a mama to get the outcomes that you had winning Grand Slams and Wimbledons and French Opens and U.S. Opens. You have to spend more time being a mama to get similar results, to have a champion daughter, to have a great, to, to have raised a great human being. <clears throat> you got to spend more time on that. I'm a little confused. So that's why when I'm hearing this whole unfair thing, I'm like, you're being selfish. Ladies, I'm sorry. Respectfully, you're being selfish. You know the amount of time and the amount of time it took to be a world class athlete is the kind of time it's going to take 
and even more so to be a world-class mama and to raise a world-class kid. Period. I'm, I, what does that world look like? You can sit there and say, well, how am I going to feed the kid and how am I going to... Somehow we were able to get to this point in society where we didn't have to ask that question. Whether you were living in the jungle or whether you were living in a penthouse, this was all figured out. These roles were already figured out. You guys are mixing up, trying to, trying to have your ideology trump biology, and this is the conundrum you find yourself in. You can't trump biology. You can't trump evolutionary biology. You can't trump it. This is what it is. So you were a world-class athlete because you were hyper-focused on you. Your training, hmm? your recovery, your diet, your regimens. So that time you put in, multiply that by um, two or three. And that's how much time it's going to have to take for you to be a world-class mama and, and have a world-class child. And Because you put in that work not knowing what the result was going to be. You put in that work saying you were putting yourself in the best position to be a champion. You weren't entirely sure, but you knew one thing, you put in the work. So win or lose, you knew one thing, you could look yourself in the mirror and go, yeah, I, 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 I did everything. Like Tom Brady said, I, I'm, I did everything. To, I, you know, At the sacrifice of everything else going on, I squeezed all I could to be this 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 person, this best quarterback, this this most winningest quarterback or whatever the case may be. And I'm telling you that if he didn't put in that work, they would have traded him. If it wasn't for the work that he put in, because the coach that he has puts in as much work as well, being a, a, a strategist as a coach. Probably the hardest working coach in the game. And guess what? Just like corporate America It'll take those 60, 70, 80, 90 hours you put into that job and it'll shrug its shoulders like, yeah, and I just found a guy who's willing to do more work than you. Uh-oh. And that's what Bill Belichick was doing to Tom Brady. Yes, yeah, so, and? Um, I already have your replacement on the staff here. I just drafted him for the whole world to see. Forcing a guy who won four or five Super Bowls up until that point to go, yo, how much more do I got to do? Yeah, it's the same game. The best ability is availability. And once you've decided to be a mom, now you have to make yourself as available to that child as you did to that profession. So that means you can't hold on to both branches at the same time. You got to let go of one because you can't be great at both. And since you've decided to bring the world another human being they're part of this collective global family. We all have to deal with that human being. We all going to have to experience that human being. That being can either be a bane on society or a contributor. And that's up to you. So I'm sorry. So it has nothing to do with harsh realities. It's not mean. It's the most important decision you're going to make is being a mom and what kind of mom you're going to be. That's what it is. How available are you going to be? For at least the first 10 to 15 plus years of that child's life. That means from, from once they pop out to 15. That same 15, 20 year commitment you gave to a career in athletics. Because that's how much the average career is like 5, 10 years. What you're seeing from Serene and Tom Brady and LeBron James is kind of unprecedented. 
and Kobe Bryant's and all of those and MJ's or whatever. But I'm saying that that's the same 15 years you got to put into parenting. What part of the game is so difficult for these, for, sorry, women to understand? I'm sorry. I'm not making up the biological rules. Look at the world that you live in, and I guarantee you what you're going to find is parents that are not available for their babies. When you look at certain, certain uh, 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 negative indicators, I'm going to show you parents that were not available for their kids. Especially mamas. Mama think I'm going to work, I'm protecting and providing. Nope, that wasn't your job. It was your job to reconcile and, re and resolve with a man for him to go out and preserve and protect and provide. And you stay home, hug, kiss, wipe the nose, kiss the boo-boos. That was your job. Sorry. So the reason why I'm bringing this up, guys, is because it, it just goes back to family and it goes back to how we're be how we're treating the American family, how we're treating it. Um, quarterbacks are dying. I'm sorry. That quarter, I've, you got guys. You got Junior Seau, one of my favorite linebackers of all time. He's to play for the San Diego Chargers. puts a, puts a shotgun to his chest, and when they looked at his brain scan, it's filled with CTE. All of the 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 diagnosis, all the symptoms of CTE are in his mind. Or there, the evidence is there. The impacts. What these men are doing to feed their families is risking their lives respectfully. When I hear people think that it's just easy being a dude, easy being away from your wife, easy to be away from your kids, missing first steps, missing first walks, first talks. Come on, man. It's not. And do I think it's easy for a woman to go from world-class athlete where her life was so hyper-focused on being this champion and winning and winning and winning? And do I think it's easy to turn that off? No, it's not easy for anyone. Mother and father time are undefeated. It's neither fair or unfair. I don't like the fact that all of a sudden it became a situation of, ah, oh, it's the push and pull of society. And women make the field unambitious. Oh, no, then women, it's up to you to change the paradigm. You're the ones who control daytime television. Every time I turn on the TV, all I'm seeing is reality shows. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing that. You guys are controlling certain narratives. So change the narrative. You don't like the narrative? Change it. The narrative that's out now is that it's a patriarchy. There are not enough women CEOs and this, that, and the third. Yet a CEO is a 20-year commitment of 80 hours a week. Are you ready? You want to go see the wizard, and when you pull back the curtain, you realize the wizard was a fraud? And that, uh, that all of those LinkedIn promotions were a lie when it came to trying to do both? The lie that was sold to you by modern feminism was that you could have it all? You can be the working mom, the rock star mom, the rock star wife. It, that's even if you want to be married because that's grown out of vogue, coupling and being married. Oh, no, you can do it yourself, girl. Do it yourself. DIY. Do it yourself. Mm, it's not, it, I'm looking at all the numbers. It's not working out. College degree, I've, I've looked. I've seen what they're paying people with bachelor's degrees now. You can barely make $15, $20 an hour, which means that your college degree that you're over leveraged borrowing to pay for and everyone told you be a college graduate be educated be educated be educated and guess what now it can barely get you what should be america's minimum wage okay okay i'm just saying so when i look at uh these uh yeah, I was reading a stat. It says American football hits similar to 62 car crashes per game. 
don't mention football players in the same sentence with privilege because that was the context. Ooh, I could be a Tom Brady or I see these football Super Bowl guys just standing there winning and living. 62 car crashes per game. And granted, a quarterback gets hit less than other uh, uh, participants in the sport in other positions. But uh, Tua just got carted off strapped to a gurney yesterday watching the football game between he and the Cincinnati uh, Bengals. And he was hit, sacked, was what they call it when a quarterback gets hit and tackled to the ground. And his helmet, helmeted head, hit the turf. And his hands, fingers curled up because the neurological response was he froze. So now that's a, a major neurological traumatic event occurred that led to his fingers crunching up immediately after the hit. They just crunched. Man is unconscious. What are we talking about here? We're all trading off, making decisions, compromises, and sacrifices. Now ask yourself, is your ideology in line with human biology, with evolutionary biology, with mother and father time? Okay? I'm guaranteeing a woman doesn't want to go through her cycle every month. That's biology. You're the female of the species. And it's like the female of the species no longer wants to be the female of the species and what that entails. You have your roles. I have my roles. Biology dictates certain things. You mature a little faster than men do. Why? Because that's what it is. You have to because you're the first, you're the child bearer. So then all of a sudden, when men mature and they're out there becoming proficient at what? Hunting for food. They find a woman several years younger than them in their most fertile stage. She's ready to be a teacher, nurse, teacher, nurse and cook. And you have learned how to protect and provide provisions. And then the cycle continues. It works, people. I'm telling you right now, it works. The pushback on it. And ideology trying to trump biology is what doesn't work. Okay? So the hours that these men have to stay in gyms and this, that, and a third and be away from their families and play football and MMA or be in the business world and this, that, and a third, this is what it takes, people. Let me, let me tell you guys a story before I end this. And I hope whoever's listening is listening towards the end. I'm going to tell you two stories that are intertwined. And it's very important because they're from me personally. I, when I worked, the first time I got a job on Wall Street, I was saying to myself, man, I, I can't wait to, uh, you know, make money. You know, you know, it's like John Dillinger, the famous bank robber. When they asked him, why does he rob banks? He said, that's where the money is. So if you're a New York City kid, you and you didn't try to get a job on Wall Street, then you did yourself a great disservice. I would encourage every kid out there, if money is your sole motivation, that you don't do any don't do crypto, don't do this, don't do that. Go into investment banking, go into the stock, go into stocks, get your series seven, get, go, go learn how to go learn how to make money in those institutions. That's what the money is. D don't do any fangled YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, sign up for my seminar. No. Investment banking. Go in, go try to work for Goldman, go try to work for McKinsey. Go, go, learn, learn how businesses actually work. 
not ooh ooh no money down businesses. Anyway, so I go. This uh the hiring manager. I went there, and uh, through a friend said, try this place they're hiring. I got an interview. Then I got a second interview. This guy who interviewed me was, I don't know. He was like a, like a like a thirty year old, kind of look. He, he looked a lot like uh Tom Cruise. A tall Tom Cruise is what this guy looked like, but just a cool cat. Meeting him, I said to myself, I want to work here because he's so cool. Um, and, I, and, I, and I had no misgivings. I knew that the business world, I had other sales jobs before, nothing like Wall Street. But I knew it wasn't going to be a walk in the park because, you know, we, we, know, we hear stories about stockbrokers. They're all true. As a matter of fact, there's certain things that I, I would never ever mention. Because stockbroker life is, is almost gangster to a certain degree. So it's like, anyway, I get hired. I'm happy. I'm excited because I'm thinking, well, is this the start? Because really, I'm going into it with my eyes wide open. I mean, I, eyes kind of open because I'm a young kid, but I'm still saying to myself, this may or may not be for me. But I know one thing I'm going to put in. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I get hired. Every single dude in that office is giving me the lukewarm shoulder. Not quite the cold shoulder, but the lukewarm shoulder. I make nothing of it. I'm like, I'm the new guy. It's all good. You know, I know I'm, I'm thinking to myself, do I need to win them over if the boss man hired me? You know what I mean? I know I got to impress the person who hired me and I'll figure out who's who along the way. So none of these guys, you know, were really that friendly towards me. It was still all good. So I live two hours away from the World Trade Center through public transportation. So I have to take a 30-minute train ride, a 30-minute bus ride, then a 60-minute uh, a train ride plus, okay? So I have to be at the job at 8. I like to get to a job at around 7.45. I like to be in the door at 7.45. I like my employer or whoever my manager or supervisor is to see me 15 minutes before I start. That's what I want. I want them to see me and then look at their watch. Okay. Get there. Boom. I'm, I'm at my phone or whatever training class 755. I have my materials. So 745 to me is the latest I'm supposed to show up at work. There are times I showed up at 730 just to show you how early I have to get up. I have to be up no later. I have to be at the train station oftentimes no later than 6, 615 waiting for a train. That's just what it is every morning. So that means I have to be up in the fives, right? Because I have to put on a three-piece, I have to put on a suit, tie, shoes, briefcase, the whole works. Every day, five days a week. Eight to five. Okay. So I noticed, um, after about three or four weeks of working there, I noticed, I'm there at 7.30, but the guys that are there that were giving me the lukewarm shoulder, they already have their sleeves rolled up and their ties loosened as if they've been there all night. And I'm already there at seven in the morning. So I'm thinking to myself, damn, is it me or is the dress code a little looser if you worked here a while or, or have they been here a while? I don't say anything. All of a sudden, they're talking a little looser around me about three weeks, four weeks in. And one of the guys said, yo, man, when'd you get in here? Talking to another friend like, like I'm going to give you fake aliases. Hey, John, what time did you get in here? He said, oh, man, I got in here around love. Uh, got in around five. Five, no, he said 5.30. Other guy goes, amateur. 
And so I'm now with my poker face. I'm going, holy Christ, these guys are already at the job. And I'm still in bed in Queens. They're already working and I'm barely getting up. My alarm clock didn't go off yet when they're walking into the job. I'm going, wow, okay. So then about a month and a half in, they ask me, hey, June, man, you want to come out for drinks with us? It's about five o'clock. I leave every day at five o'clock on the dot. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, mind you, let me explain something to you. The guys that I'm speaking about were making no less than $25,000 a month. The junior, uh, the guy at the bottom of the top sellers list was making 25000 a month. And that was his money. That was after he had to pay off his main broker, et cetera, et cetera. That was his take home was minimum. He was the last guy, 25. This is a room of about 15 brokers. He's making 25 grand per month. You do the math. Okay. Okay. Over 300 a year. All right. So I'm thinking to myself, these guys are inviting me out. I mean, I've gone to some nice places, but I can only imagine how these guys party. I'm partying with them for sure if they're inviting me. And I'm feeling a little honored considering that we started off lukewarmly and now I'm being invited out. So, but at the same time, I'm saying to myself, I can't afford because I'm still in training. I can't afford anything that they're, you know, whatever, whatever. So I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't go. So the first couple of times I declined. But but I ask, hey, what time are you guys going? Because, you know, I got a couple of things I got to do. He said, we're getting off of work at around eight and then we're going to hit the spots. So I didn't go. And I'm saying to myself when I'm on the train going home, I'm like, wait a minute. That same guy who said that he's getting off at eight. He's been here since 5 a.m. So you're saying from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., 8 p.m., you're going to be at the at the job. And then after that, then you're going to go have drinks. And then what time are you going to when is this person going to sleep? And I realized that I've been hearing every day that these guys go out for drinks and dinner with each other or they have dinner business dates. Oh, I got to meet a client. Oh, this client's flying into town. I can't wait. So after the third request is on that third request is when I said yes, because I said to myself, if I keep declining these requests, now I'm the one who's treating them lukewarmly. And there's only so many times you can decline an invitation without it being considered utterly just rude. So I go out with these guys. Now, if you guys haven't watched the movie American Psycho starring Chris, I'm sorry, starring Christian Bale, go watch it. Because the scene when all the stockbrokers were hanging out and all the financial guys are hanging out at the nightclub in three-piece suits and there's bottles of Cristal everywhere and all types of illicit drugs everywhere, that was the scene. That's why I love that movie American Psycho because I can relate like, whoa, I was there in the room with these guys. Now, it's nine o'clock at night. These guys just finished working. What did I go and do? I went and hung out with a friend of mine. I left the job. I went and hung out with a friend of mine. And I went back. I said, yo, bro, I'm going to go hang out with the dudes from the office. We go into this spot. Never been in a spot like this before. Everybody's in three-piece suits. Everybody looks like a million dollars because everybody is a million dollars. The bar, the bar, the waitress, she looked at me. Everybody was amazing. I'm in the room and I'm feeling like an ugly duckling because I'm like, these, these, this is the other half. 
I'm literally in the room with not the other half, but the the upper 10th percent of New York City. I'm like, holy, these guys have spent, I don't know, 30, 40,000 in front of me in just liquor. Because of... <laughs> And they're talking and they have people coming by and someone from Goldman and this guy from this office. And hey, dude, what's going on with the what's going on with the index oh, yeah, in Singapore? And, and I realize, oh, this is this is this is, as a Queens guy who knows how to network and, 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 and shake hands. I'm like, this is where they find out what's going on in the street with their other friends that work in other offices. So this drinking isn't really drinking. They're not really partying. This is what I call mandatory fun. For them to find out what's good and what's not good on the street, this is what's necessary. A reason why I bring this up is because these men, for them to be able to compete in their profession, means they have to be at the job at 5 and not leave actual quote-unquote work till 11, 12 p.m. I mean 11, 11 p.m., 12 a.m. So they're putting in close to what would be considered a 16-plus-hour day, 16, 17-hour day just to compete in their field. So if any one of them is married or has a kid, they have to have a woman that's on their program that understands that this is what it takes, not just to thrive, but to survive in this line of work. Because if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. If it was easy, everyone would be able to burn this hot five days a week. And I couldn't believe it. And I realized. So I went out with these guys. I got drunk with these guys, but not too drunk because these are my bosses. And I, I can't I can't give off that impression. These guys were getting plastered. I went home, got home by like midnight, 1 a.m. Had to be back up at five. And I thought to myself, there's no way that these guys are up to no way that they're at. No way they're going to be at work before me. I tested it. I went to work a little bit earlier, got to work around 7, 7.15, as opposed to 7.45 for my 8 p.m., 8 a.m. shift. Guys were already there with their sleeves rolled up, new suit on, not the suit from yesterday, looking like they didn't party last night, no bags under their eyes. I thought to myself, you guys are different animals. And for them to become CEOs and for them to become the, the billionaire hedge fund managers, they have to do that for another 15 years at that at that rate. That's what they have to do. That's what they have to do. Now, think about that for a minute, people. Think about that for a minute, people. So when people when women are saying it's not fair or because, you know, if I was a man. Yeah, because that man found a woman playing her gender role. He's hunting out for food. She's playing her role as a mother as a, nur nur uh, a nurturing wife and mother, he's playing his role as a sharpened spear hunter. Sorry. So a friend of mine who became a stockbroker, who always wanted me to become a stockbroker, I mean, go, go into that as well, because I left that job because I just, I didn't have the passion for it. And I realized one of the reasons why these guys befriended me is they realized I wasn't competing. I wasn't a spy. I wasn't a backstabber. And I wasn't competing. There's like this dude only comes in at 7.15, I mean 7.30. He's competent. He's here, but he's not competing for the big seat at the table because he's leaving at 5. You have to be here at 5 and stay till 8 p.m. For, for you to be considered comp to these guys. Let me explain something. So a friend of mine gets into stockbroking. 
he loves talking to me about money and business because we're both entrepreneurial and he he's trying to get me on his quote unquote team. So he's trying to pay for my series seven and do things like that. And I'm like, nah, I'm good, dude. So he ends up working for a firm, took him six months to get this interview and it took him another couple months to actually land the gig. So almost a whole year trying to get one job. He gets the job. Within six, seven months of this job, listen to what this dude had to do. He lives in Jamaica, Queens as well. His commute is as far as my commute to downtown Manhattan, Wall Street. Downtown Manhattan, Wall Street is just a bridge over from downtown Brooklyn. You can take the Williamsburg or the Brooklyn Bridge. You can take it over. You can go into Brooklyn. He's getting to the office. He said, June, listen, man, yo, going to the office at 7, 8 a.m. ain't cutting it. There's dudes in there making money. They're calling Asia. They They already have accounts. You know, I got to make such and such amount of accounts this month. They're already they're already closing accounts before I even get off the train. I can't have it. I'm going in at like five. I was like, all right. He goes in at five. He calls me from the job because he was one of those early guys. He would call me early at the job. He'd go, yo, he'd be at the, call me at seven in the morning. Yo, June, you won't believe this. I was like, what? Came to the gig at 5 a.m. This dude's already here. Now, you have to understand, for this man to get to Manhattan at to f- at 5 a.m., that means he would have to leave Queens at 3 a.m. And it's off-peak hours, so the train is running strictly the local line, not the express line at 2, 3 a.m. It's going to take you forever to catch a bus and forever to catch a train. So if you decide to take a cab to the train station, it's still going to take you forever to get to work. From the first stop to the last stop. Because we live at the first stop of the train. And we're taking it all the way to the World Trade Center. Uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, stop. <clears throat> or Worth Street. Whatever. So he got there at 5. There was already guys in there. Not, not a guy. Not one rock star. But a handful of dudes that were already there at 5. And looked like they had been there for a little while. So you know what he did? So he could compete. He went and he rented this rat hole of a room in downtown Brooklyn in some apartment tenement in downtown Brooklyn because he was a new trainee. This is not a guy making money yet, but for him to become the guy, he thought he had to do this. Some rat hole tenement apartment building in downtown Brooklyn. He rented a room. He rented that room. He put all his suits that he had in that room. And what he would do is instead of that two hours back to Queens, he said, for me to compete with these guys, I'm going to have to rent this this little room in downtown Brooklyn. And then from there, you know, so even if I leave the office at like 9, 10 p.m., at least I can only have to travel 20 minutes by cab to my apartment and get four plus hours worth of sleep so I can be back here at three, four in the morning. And that's what he did. And he did that for at least a year until he couldn't sustain it anymore. And he moved to another firm that wasn't as competitive. But he didn't make as much money. Because the money that the guys were bringing in there were nothing less than sixty dollars to $70,000 per month. But to make that sixty dollars to $70,000 per month, you could have nothing else going on in your life but that job. That was the commitment. So now let's take a woman, for instance. What if she decided to be a stock analyst or a stockbroker of this caliber to make that $60,000, $70,000 per month to make almost a million dollars a year? You, after, after taxes, some of these guys were making that. 
just handling that phone and handling people when you get off of work and putting your name out there into the world. So everyone in New York City knows what's going on with you because you're going out to the, the latest spots. You're spending money on bottles and whatever else and drinks are on me, dinner's on me, everything's on you. So you're making 60, 70 a month. You're probably spending 20 of that on, on just social equity, being out in the scene so people in your industry know you. If you're a woman who wants to be a mama, how conducive do you think that is to a family life? How conducive do you think that is? Staying to a job until 8, 9 p.m. And then being back at that job at 3, 4, 5 a.m. Back at the job. Not up, but back at, in the seat again. It's not. It's not. If you're asking corporate America to be fair, when corporate America is asking all of us to work more and more hours, because it, it, all it knows is productivity, all it knows is bonuses, all it knows is the, is the bottom line and the numbers. Guess what, people? Guess what, people? You cannot have it all, dot, 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 at once. What you put your time into is going to determine who and what you are and what the outcomes you want and the, and the outcomes are. The outcomes are going to be based on that. So you want to raise productive people? You want to raise people that are going to turn out to be the most balanced and the most productive. The only way to kind of give yourself a fighting chance or to give that child a fighting chance to be productive and contributory and have the least amount of issues is for you as the parent to put in the time into the instruction and the direction. And it's going to take more time than you are dedicating to the jobs, to your athletic endeavors, to your endeavors. The time for you is over. The time for that new person that you decided to bring into the world has begun. And that is a 10 to 15 year commitment of full time hands on being there in almost every single last way, shape or form. That's what I have to say to the Serena Williamses of the world, the, 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 the women bosses of the world who say that society isn't fair when it comes to motherhood and workload. Uh-uh. Society, what you should be asking for is less time at that other endeavor once you decide to be a mama. I'm the kind of person, if I had a job, once, once everyone becomes a mama, then you work less. And people go, oh, well, you know, the bills are the same or this, that, and the third. Well, that's where, that's where like I said, th that's where it comes into play where I feel a lot of this whole I can do it myself DIY mentality has to be completely stricken from the playbook because the more you don't ask of your man the more you're asking of society to protect and provide to provide provisions for you when you're supposed to be coupled up and have the rules and the tools to know how to be a nurturing wife and mother but you've been spending more time in school spending more time getting education spending more time being told to be this quote unquote independent person, but you're dependent on this job. You're getting all the requisite skill sets to be a great employee. Are you spending that same amount of time learning how to be a great wife and mother? So when Serena says these things, you spent a great, you spent a whole lot of time becoming the greatest tennis player ever. Are you going to, now it's time for you to dedicate that time to be the greatest mother ever. 
and all that goes into are you going to use the same time training and recovering and 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 and, and on on that regimen we're going to talk about this later and, and I'm going to re I'm going to go back to that story I just told about the stock broker and time and investment and outcomes and what's expected of us. We're going to we're going to pick up where we left off in the next episode. So to, uh, so until then, you guys enjoy yourselves and we'll talk later. <laughs>